friend of the program, reoccurring guest, our first reoccurring guest for episode 23, Jumpman, Jordan Year, only fitting, Alec Nyman. We're here to talk hoops. We're here to just shoot the shit. Friend of the program. Dude, it's so excited to have you back. Dude, I really appreciate it. I appreciate being the first recurring guest on this program. I really, that means a lot to me. You know what it kind of feels like? It's like, you know, in college, like when we used to go to the the, uh, the C store and get like sandwiches there, like, like and Mama, then Mamadou, Mamadou yeah. was there. It's like if you took a little bit of a break from the C store for a little bit, you know, maybe Mannheimer, there was too much cheese on the sandwiches or something, or Ari was just, you know, trading stonks somewhere else. And then you come back and then Mamadou's like, oh, my friend. That's what it's like. It's like that nice warm reception. You feel like you're back with the crew. I wonder if he still works there. I don't know. I love that guy, though. Great man. Yeah, well, it's good to have you back on the pod, Nyman. Hopefully, you're not going to drop news on us that you're going to have a second podcast because it was already a shot out of left field when you told us last time you were uh, starting up. It's still slapped because I was like, I thought you were here to like help us out. And then it turned out to be a little press run for you. I don't know. It seemed like there were some ulterior motives. Dude, I have no time for a second podcast. My life is crazy as it is. Uh, between my real estate career, it still slaps. I mean, we got Knicks Lakers tonight. It's just too much going on. I just I girlfriend happy. Yeah, that too. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure, dude. Like there's, there's too much going on in my life. And of course, like now we're coming out of COVID, like we're getting excited for, for all of that. And that, you know, it comes with that, like plans, drinking, hanging out, like, I, there's just not enough time in the day right now. So no, no plans for a second podcast. Thank God. Word. And I, I was just giving you a hard time. I, I love it. Still flaps. <laughs> avid listener myself. So actually question leading off of what you just said, do you think you guys will be able to keep up the cadence of the podcast once you start going back to normal everyday activities or, or do you think it's going to slow a little bit or I guess what, what's it going to be like? Well, I mean, we have slowed down quite a bit and through no fault of anybody's. I mean, Jay Gross had a couple of issues. He had COVID for like three years, uh, which like was was a real which was real crimp in our style because he like couldn't talk. So we couldn't even get him on to, to record episodes. And then he tore his shoulder. So he's been in surgery like he was in surgery two weeks ago and he's been on all kinds of medicine. So he's all fucked up. So like he couldn't record for that. So, you know, we've taken a few little hiatuses here. So I'm just curious as to what's going to happen once, yeah, real life happens. Luckily for me during COVID, like my business has really taken off. So that's like really cut my time out. So I'm hopeful that we can design a little bit more of a uh, a structured schedule here. But who knows, man? I, I hope we can we can kind of work through the the issues. But I mean, I love doing it. I have a really good time. And it's been a lot of fun to do to this point. So I hope that we can kind of figure it out as we get into this time. And I am hopeful that we will get get our shit together, so to speak. I am too, but knowing that information, I might have to short the It's Still Slap stock just as a, <laughs> a question I have for you. You know, I've listened to, I listened to a couple episodes. Obviously I like it, but does, does Gross just like love everything and does everything have some sort of like deep meaning to him? Well, I've heard this before, and it's a very common uh, it's a very common 
theme we hear from people. But I will say, while you are correct, yeah, Jay Gross does typically love everything. And I'm typically more of the devil's advocate, kind of the ranter and raver of the show, if you will. I, I, I am going to try to 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 kind of provoke the devil in Jason Gross for future episodes. I'm, I'm going to try to get him out of his comfort zone. It's not easy. Because, you know, Jay Gross, part of I think his his thing is like he, he sees the best in everything and, and in every one, which is a very good quality to have. But I really want to see if I can push his buttons a little bit. And I've tried I've tried in the past, but I want to push him a little bit more. So we'll see if it can happen. But, yes, I, I, I do hear that a lot. However, Jay Gross, though, has built a bit of a cult following on the show. His his escapades, be it in his relationships, in his in his job search, in his personal life, like people are really invested. I get texts all the time like, you know, I hope Jay Gross lands on his feet and figures out what's what. So for all for all the positive stuff about Jay Gross, people are really leaning into the, uh, you know, more, I guess, sad or sensitive points of him, too. Shout out to the homie Jay Gross. Hopefully he's uh <laughs> Getting right. I feel like it still slaps is sort of like the Boston Celtics of podcasts a little bit. Like you, you run into some COVID issues, you know, like Evan Fournier is not really coming back all the way. Then all of a sudden you, you get the Jalen Brown torn ligament in the wrist. Like it's just kind of a season under. So, I mean, hopefully Jay Gross gets back right quickly. Definitely a tough surgery turn of events. But yeah, I mean, how can you listen to it still slaps and not just fall in love with with gross though and just want to want to see him succeed he's just the most endearing kid out there well that's a hundred percent and i think that's part of my role on the show is to kind of be like that almost like that uh that leader foil. yeah that foil to him or yeah that like trip leader like kind of like throwing him the throwing him the pitch you you're know the, you're the youth counselor right you you throw him the pitch and you just let him swing at it and, and hit it and you know He'll he'll get to like he'll he'll find his way somewhere through there. It, it's like I know how to kind of not necessarily push his buttons, I guess, but like I know the question that needs to be asked to elicit the response from him. And that's part of our chemistry. I think part of the chemistry which is good with us is that he's more of like the free spirit. I'm more of like the traditionalist. So I, I think in a way, like I'm more of like the curmudgeon. I'm like, I don't like all these kids doing this stuff. And then he's like, well, you got to, you know, he sees the best in everything. So that's like our, that's our um, style. And that's the way we play off each other. And I, I enjoy it. It's fun because it, we, we get to poke, poke the bear a little bit. And it's, it's, yeah. it's fun. And, you know, I've known, I've known Jay Gross for a while and, you know, I've spent a lot of a lot of time with him actually outside of, of school. Just, you know, we went to the same gym and, and he definitely is just friends with the most random people. And he definitely brings you like a very wide audience for sure. Like yes. I just like remember like at the gym, like at Lifetime Fitness in Skokie, like, you know, we walk in the gym and be like, you know, a little guy pushing the towels. He'd be like, oh, Edgar, how are you? How was your daughter's birthday party this weekend? Like, I'm sorry I couldn't come. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, this kid is just, like, friends with everyone. Dude, I've been saying this since I met Jason Gross. And Jason Gross was the first person I met at API in school. Like, we, we just happened to be standing in the lineup next to each other the first night. And from then on, we became friends. But I've been saying this from day one. Jay Gross needs to run for like some sort of public office. I don't know what he would be like. I don't know if he's like city council or mayor or what, but like 
the, the kid has a knack for just like picking people up along the way. Like he gets people to remember him. He gets people to like fall with, in line with his thinking and like his love for everything. And it's just, it's very true. Like he, he has a very good, he does a very good job at just getting people on the same page and, and making them remember his personality. And I think that's very big when you're trying to win elections, right? I wouldn't mind having an alderman gross run my, uh, run my district. I feel like <laughs> it would be a much happier and more inclusive and welcoming environment if he was uh, running the show. Yeah, because on the one hand, you know, he's got he's got the Kelly School of Business background like he did that. And then on the other hand, he's he's very on top of his social issues and he's he's really trying to, uh, you know, show the love and spread love and, and, and be inclusive. So you kind of get a little bit of fiscal responsibility and then you also get a little bit of that compassion. And I think those are very important when you're trying to bridge the major gaps we have in our country these days, right? <laughs> and I think Jason Gross, in many ways, maybe not always, but many ways, he could be that bridge we're looking for. I saw him uh, walking around uh, downtown a few times wearing a Biden-Harris mask, and then he got COVID. So did the mask not work? Oh, boy. I'm not the person to ask for that. <laughs> we can that out. I just thought it was a funny joke. I don't know. That was good. No, I yeah. like that. I leave that in. Um, yeah, no, I think just real talk about it still slaps, though. I think that your guys' sort of chemistry is, is very endearing as well. Just the fact that it's not an echo chamber. I feel like a lot of people think that they can start a podcast with somebody and it's like someone who they share a lot of opinions with. Like, I don't think Ari and I are like aligned on really everything. I mean, we share a lot of interests and everything, but we, we have different takes. And then you and Gross have dramatically different approaches to life too. And I, I think Definitely. it's good to be able to have discourse with somebody who you get along really well with, but also who may just have a completely different outlook on things. You're kind of Oscar the Grouch. She's sort of definitely. Like, uh, I don't know, like Zaboomafu. I, I, I'm trying to think of like, what <laughs> his, his character would be on a TV show. But I mean, just like, there's no way to describe it. But it, it's, yeah, a, it's I'm a definitely, great chemistry. I'm definitely the Larry David of the show. And I think he's more of like, I don't know, like Cheryl, because he, he's like trying to see the best in things, I guess, yeah. if that's the relationship. So we have our disagreements for sure. But I think when it comes down to the music and, and we get down to like the nitty gritty, we can both appreciate it. And, and appreciate the stuff that we have in common as well. But I think it's what's cool about our our musical tastes is that yes, he has he has he's like into boy bands and stuff, which I'm not into. But like he sees music from a different perspective as I do. I come from a musical background, like I play instruments, and he doesn't. He's more of the consumer. I, I'm a consumer too, obviously, but I like to see things like the way that they're created and the creativity aspect of it and jay gross is more of like this is how like the music makes me feel and like what it takes me back to it certainly does that for me but i think he does a better job than me expressing that if that yeah. makes sense and he no, always has sure. a story to go along with it. yeah that's true <laughs> he always part. has a story to go along that's that is 100 true there's always an anecdote there's always something right yeah I mean, when it comes to boy band music and stuff, that's like a little bit more like, how does it make you feel? He does a really good way of, he does a really good job of articulating that. Whereas you do a better job of kind of coming at like more technical pieces and right. kind of breaking them down sonically and whatnot. But you guys both do a really good job. And I think, I mean, music is obviously both. It's both how it makes you feel and it's how it's composed. And then kind of what makes it so great is it is a marriage of those two things. So you guys kind of bring 
that together in, in a Larry David and Cheryl-esque marriage, although that didn't end very well on the show. Sorry, spoilers. Um, yep, that's true. So hopefully, hopefully it still slaps endures longer than the David marriage. <laughs> that I hope so. But no, I mean, every every show has its struggles. I was going to ask you guys, like, have you guys encountered on your own, like, any struggles while you've been doing this? Or, like, what, what have been the challenges in, in kind of making your show go? And I, I hopefully I can learn from it. That's a good question. I mean, honestly, just finding time for it, I think, is probably one of the one of the harder struggles. I mean, we've been getting at it after it every week, pretty much with a handful of breaks. But I mean, it's definitely good to take those breaks from time to time. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I've gotten not burned out by any means, but just a little tired of things after maybe four or five weeks straight of doing shows. And then you just got to kind of figure out how to set the cadence so that you're not doing a million interviews every week because i mean ari ari doesn't edit but i edit so it's a couple hours me too. for me a week which is totally fine like i enjoy doing it but it's just a little bit of extra grind and you got to figure out how that fits into your schedule but and it's I not and, it, it. and it's not easy to edit like like junior i mean junior is he, he can go on all day all right, right. listen the the fact that i heard that junior talked for three hours i would have never let it go that long like that's on you i'm sorry like, i, I didn't either like, i didn't i i, I did. came in i cut up dude i cut like must have been an hour and a half of audio I it know, was but, crazy no, but, i know but what i'm what i'm saying is like at an hour i would have been like all right we're at an hour let's try to wrap up in the next 15 minutes you just <laughs> let him fucking go on because when working with junior like great kid love junior but like like you have to kind of interject otherwise you yes. will not stop talking yes and that was our first interview on the show so we didn't as necessarily have as bit as big of a formula for how to handle that so you guys definitely have conquered the interview you know how to how to lead things and how to direct the conversation for us we're like oh my god i didn't realize that junior was going to be you know talking and talking however that said that as far as critical acclaim, that has been like one of our top two episodes that people have really enjoyed. Yeah, like for sure. No, I mean, I, I listened to that episode that you guys had with Junior and that was kind of the moment where I was like, we should probably get Junior on because the kid just has a I, I, I forgot how good he is at just talking and kind of telling stories. And I don't know. It was really cool. The connection that he was able to share with with Mac and the city of Pittsburgh and kind of contextualizing what it meant to him. And I mean, it was perfect for your guys' podcast. And then I think he did a really good job on ours too. talks for a long time. And that's yes. just something that you got to recognize. But I mean, he's going to tell you some great stories while he's uh, always getting after it. Right. No, for sure. It's just it was just a long night in the editing room. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not easy on that end. What I was going to say when you said, what are the biggest challenges? I would. I mean, Manny edits and I don't. So, I mean, it's a little different, but I would disagree and say that time has not really been an issue. Typically, we're getting our interviews done on Tuesdays. Like we just kind of like with until just now, we kind of discussed that Tuesday's interview day. That's like usually when we shoot for it. We're always doing our monologues and pre-recordings on Sunday. Um, I don't know what his interview or what his his uh, editing schedule is, but I feel like we're doing a good job of, of getting guests. I feel like we're good, doing a good job of managing time. I wish it would take off a little more, not to say that it's bad. I mean, we're getting a couple hundred downloads per episode. Some are more than others. Some are lower than others. Yeah. But 
I would have like liked it to like take off, but like we've had a couple viral moments. I mean, Uncle Buds reposted us the other day on their story. They got a couple hundred thousand followers. We've had some people reach out and send some nice messages, but also like this shit takes time. Like if you like really wanted it to like yeah. blow up, like one, like we probably got to get like not saying that our guests aren't notable, but like it'd be cool to like pick up a celebrity within some sorts and like yeah. get them on. And then repost it and whatnot, and then build off of that. But the key to doing this type of stuff is you just got to keep doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I agree. Like Jay Gross, dude. Like Jay Gross, he's got these connections with like Sammy Adams and Shams Charania and all these people. I'm like, dude, why don't you call them and like and get them in the room? Like, let's 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 talk to these people. Let's ask them about music and things that like they don't normally talk about on a normal basis. So. I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to get that kind of uh, seed planted, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I, I agree. It's like you need to. You do wish you would blow up more, uh, but yeah, it's all about just the work you put into it and like how much time you dedicate. Because so a lot of times you just can't control that stuff. And I try not to like think about it. I, I like don't like to check. At first it was fun, but I didn't love to check like all the downloads and stuff. And like because yeah, I, I felt that it was consuming my my mind and that probably wasn't healthy at, at first. So now I don't even think about it. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. At first I was kind of checking a lot and then now I check every now and then. And it's interesting because a lot of that, a lot of our older episodes will still like get more downloads as time goes on. Oh like, yeah. Agreed. Especially with, yeah. Especially with podcasts. I mean like people are just going to listen whenever they're going to listen. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I noticed that the older episodes seem to just keep going up and up and up. You know, it's it's. I don't know why that is. Do you, do you know why that is? I think people just go back and just listen to whoever they're gonna they're gonna listen to. I mean, when I open up a new podcast for the first time and it's people that I don't know, I'm not gonna go to the most recent guest. I'm gonna scroll down until I find somebody who I recognize, and then I'm gonna listen to that episode. So I have a right. feeling that people probably just like if they're new to the legends pod or new to the, it still slaps. They just find whatever they're interested in. If they want to hear yeah. about investing, they might go to our um, That's true. interview with Jose, or if they're interested in Mac Miller, they'd go to your interview with uh, junior. So I right. think it's just kind of whatever people are going to be interested. They're going to gravitate towards. I, I think like, just to finish that thought, I think like my biggest struggle with the podcast, because time is like, everybody has issues with time. So like, you know, everybody's got shit going on. So I think my biggest struggle is like, is, is more of like the, on the creative ideas side. Like I'm very, I'm very creative. Like I'm always thinking of stuff and writing down like ideas and whatever. But I find that when I finally get down to it, it's almost like I call this the, um, each set sold separately problem. Like you remember when you're a kid, you're watching TV and they're like, you could buy the, the hot wheels play set, but like the rest of the shit like that goes with it is sold separately. So you have to get it later. So I find that I have like this big idea that like I'm, I'm going off of. And then I have like these smaller ideas too, that like they could go somewhere, but like I can't draw on them when I need to draw on them. Like they're almost like somewhere else. Like, does that make sense? It's like, yeah. I, I have a, I have trouble. You have to be prepared to like, just have the conversation and let it happen. So like, but like, then I want to pull from those like little places and I can't remember it or I can't, it doesn't work out that way where I can find it or the conversation doesn't go to the right place. So like, do you feel that way? I think that that's like a huge thing for me. So podcaster to podcaster, what Ari and I do is we keep 
a Google sheet that will populate throughout the week leading up to an interview, basically, depending on who it is. And right. we'll just jot down every idea that we have, every topic we want to broach and jokes we want to make. And then kind of like, obviously it's an organic interview process where we don't really have like a set, oh, we're going to dedicate X amount of time to this topic. Yeah, you're X just going. Yeah, you're just going. But like, if you get to a pause in the conversation and you just, you look at the Google sheet and you see there's a great joke you want to crack, you just throw it out there. So then there's fewer of those moments where yeah. you know you wanted to talk about something and you didn't do it. Granted, I still have moments after a podcast where I could think of an amazing take or comment I could have made. I'm like, damn, I wish I said that. Yeah. But, uh, and yeah, exactly, exactly what Sam said. I mean, we, sometimes a guest will say something that we didn't even think of. And we're like, wow, that's really interesting. Let's start talking about that. And like, there'll just be like organic questions that come for the next 10 minutes regarding what they just said. I mean, also there's times where I forget to say something or I don't ask about something and I regret it. Like last week, Andy Parker talked about working with Alan Gershowitz and I was like, um, that's really interesting. He's like one of the most famous lawyers ever. I would like to talk, ask him about it. And we just like, I never did just because right. the, the conversation went and like, that's just something that I would have liked to talk about. But what you were saying, which is interesting is about time. And I saw, I think it was on Twitter or a meme or something that, you know, time is like the most scarce resource because you can't get yeah. any more of it and you can't give any back. But everyone's got the same amount of time and it's like really interesting like excuses that people come up with and i'm not saying it's you it's everyone yeah. people will be like oh like i don't have time to start a business but it's like oh but you have time to watch netflix for two hours. No, 100% you know what i mean and like everyone's guilty of it i'm guilty of it you know so it's it is one of those things like you could always make time yeah no i agree i but the reason why i brought that up was just like yeah. you know everybody's got shit. Like everybody's got a job and, and things going on, but, and, and time to your, to your point is like, if I have one of those ideas I want to pull, it's like, do I have time to do that in the interview? Like, can I, can I make, or, or just in the discussion? Because I think the sweet spot of Jay Gross and I, and what we do, we prepare a conversation where we, it's not that we prepare like talking points. We just say, here's what we're going to talk about. And here's what we're going to get how we get there is kind of just like up for grabs. Like we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I think our best shows are, are the ones where like it, we just get lost in it. And I think that's why the junior one really hit well was because like junior just came in with his own agenda and we just went with that and it, it ended up being great. But the, the, I guess the negative side of doing it that way is that like, I want to pull all these different things. You know, I have all these different streams of thought that I want to pull in and I can't because there's not enough time to do it or there's, you know, there's other discussions going on that I need to hit. And it frustrates me because I, I like to be perfect when I do things. So it's, it's just one of those things I'm like, God damn, like I wish I had more, uh, I, I wish I had more time to do this, but I don't want the podcast to be too long or whatever. You're so sure. it, yeah, that's constant struggles on the podcast grind. Yeah. But that, those are the type of things that you also just kind of like learn by doing right. because eventually you're just going to get a feel for like whether or not a conversation is going in a direction you want it to go in. And then you can kind of move it around. Whereas I think when we were starting out, when we would get on a topic, we just run with it for however long the guest wants to. Whereas now it's like, we'll start kind of like asking questions that pull them away from it a little bit more. You just kind of build up that experience. So I, I think as like we continue to all pod a little bit more over time, we'll kind of get those experiences and i mean it's the same thing with a real job too yeah i mean 
when I'm in meetings, I know how to handle a meeting better now than I used to. And if somebody's taking too long on a certain topic, I can say, hey, let's take a step back here and circle back on that offline or something. Some, some Everything is a lesson. Yeah, exactly. Everything is a lesson. And I think as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm learning that like, you know, assess how everything just went is it, like doing that is so big because that's how you learn and that's how you get better at anything. So like I used to not do that. I used to not step out of myself and say, hey, like, did that go well? Or like, what did you do well or bad? And now I, I do that all the time. So I think that that's uh, that's part of the skill. Right. Yeah. Do you ever listen to your old episodes? Or any of your yeah, I'll, I'll typically listen to it like the morning it comes out just to like hear it back and like and see if I liked it or if I didn't like it. And typically it, like it's the car test, right? You get in the car. You're like, did my drive go fast listening to that or was it like or was it like pulling teeth? And if it <laughs> went fast, I'm like, OK, it was pretty good. Or, you know, maybe there's a few things I can improve, but it was overall good. Or Not maybe good. it sucked. You know, like there's there's all sorts of different ways, but that's typically how I do it. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I listen when I edit, I, I don't really ever listen cover to cover after I release. Uh, I'll do the car test. That's my only thing. One yeah, time. I, I, I usually, I listen to it on our platform, Simplecast before we release it on Monday and give Sam any feedback or anything that we'd want to change. We'll send it to the guests and if they want to listen, but I usually don't listen to it once we drop it. Right. I got part of my takes and Joe Rogan's to catch up to. And very true. The Legends podcast. I do. I do listen to it before we release it. Right. Yeah. Not that I don't think the Legends podcast is as good as other more notable podcasts, but I do kind of want to just like keep hearing those other opinions. It's like, I know what I said. Sometimes I'll be listening when I'm editing and the conversation will be going a certain way. I'm like, man, you know, it'd be a really great point if you say X, Y, or Z. And then like, in the podcast, I'll just say whatever I was thinking, like should have been said. I'm like, oh, cool. Perfect. You nailed right. it. Kid. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. one thing that that I also love doing, though, is, you know, I know you said you don't really like looking at the ratings as much. I, I do check them from time to time. I love looking at the map of seeing where I'm getting downloaded. Like, that's dude, fun. Like, all right. Like UAE. I know it was Matias, but like Nairobi, Marrakesh, Morocco, Taiwan. We got listeners in Russia. We got listeners in Bucharest. Shout out Ryan Silverman. Um, we got uh, Germany. Spain is pretty big. We we got big in Bolivia for a little because of Matias. Number 14 ranked business podcast, according to uh, Chartable. That tracks like all the, but like, I don't know what the market's like in Bolivia for podcasts, but we, we got big for a minute. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think the country's thing is fun because like when I see someone's listening to us in the Republic of Mauritius in Africa, I'm like, well, shit, like, do they speak English there? <laughs> like, I don't even know. So you're just some funny. background noise in some like nail salon or something it's like surprisingly that. Surprisingly though, a lot of those like, Western African and like Central African countries speak English because they all got like colonized for a little. Yeah, that's true. But a lot of them, a lot of them do speak English. Yeah. Yeah. So So, that's something I always wonder. I'm like, oh, they're listening to me in Papua New Guinea. Like, what is what is the deal there? They just love the sound of your voice, Alec. Well, I, I have heard that my voice has radio quality. It does. Humble brag about the Legends Pod, and we'll we'll get off this topic. Six continents. We've not hit in Antarctica. 
but we're Ari and I are scheming ways to get a listen in Antarctica, and then we can uh, check that off the bucket list. You guys are trying to rip some polar bear ears out in Antarctica, trying to get them to listen. Yeah, we just got to find someone that, like, stuck in one of those igloo research stations. It's just, I mean, they got nothing else to do. It's just like, hey, you want to come on the pod and then listen to them? Also, low-key, like, we got listeners in Venezuela. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's like, that's significant free speech hurdles coming over the uh, coming over the airwaves. I don't, I don't want I don't want anyone to get a bag put over their head and dragged out of the apartment because of something I said on the Legends podcast that they listened to in Venezuela. Yeah, dude, you might what need Andy Parker propaganda? more. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you might need Andy Parker more often than not after that. I don't, I don't think his jurisdiction works very well down there. Let me tell you something. Andy Parker, great guest on the pod. I really enjoyed that one. I will say one thing, one critique, and then one uh, one thing I love about Andy Parker. The first critique is, and this is what my my great friend, who's not really my friend, but Craig Carton, the convicted felon, who also is a great radio host in New York. He always says, hockey, they turn the radio off. They turn the radio off when they bring up hockey, Andy Parker. So, I, listen, I like my New York Rangers, but I, all I know, according to Craig Carton, who's number one in the New York market right now, all he, know, all he says, second you put that hockey on the, on the air, they turn it off. They, turn, they tune out. Yeah, but people from, Minnesota, people from Minnesota feel different about hockey as compared to most that's, places across the that's country. That's fair. Also, we're talking about Andy Parker here. Like, you heard what the guy said about the NBA. Like, you heard what he said about the NFL with the politics. Like, there is really only one sport left that has kind of left all that out. That's fine. I mean, I, I mean, that's fine. I'm just saying for the purposes of radio. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Wait, what, what did this guy do to get convicted? <laughs> is he actually a friend? Oh, Craig Carton, ran a Ponzi scheme. But is he uh, a friend of yours? No, no, no. Oh, that was just a figure of speech. Oh, just okay. love that guy. He's the best. Um, he he runs the number one sports talk show in New York right now. He's actually how, how long did he do? Uh, well, so he had a gambling addiction and he did a Ponzi scheme to pay his gambling uh, debts. So he sold fake tickets to New York sporting, uh, or sorry, New York concerts. That's not a Ponzi scheme. That's just like fraud. No, 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 no. He like. He had deals with these guys, and he's like, I have these connections to these sports teams. They're giving me, they're giving me tickets to sell, and we'll resell them at a higher value. So he made him a promise for uh, an asset that he didn't have. So they oh. sent him all this money. So it was a Ponzi scheme. All right. So, uh, but anyway, that's not. So he probably there. did. He probably did what? Like two years was playing. Well, and now he got three years, and he got out because of COVID. But but okay. he's saying it's not why. But I, we we know that's why. I or hope he doesn't family, come after me. After or his this. family made a donation to the Trump campaign. <laughs> I don't know about that. He didn't get pardoned. They just let him out. Great guy. <laughs> All right. What was the other thing? Oh, what was the last thing you liked yeah. about Andy Parker? Andy Parker. So I, I've never spoken to the man before. So this, this time listening to him was the first time I had heard him. He does sound just like Sparker. But I remember at IU, he was at like a parents weekend and I saw him and he's like a very distinct look. Like he's got the beard. I'm like, dude, he looks like Chuck Norris. He's got like his beard is full of secrets. And like Meckler was with me. He's like, dude, that's Andy Parker. He's a fucking legend. So that was like my first impression of him. 
And from what I remember, he did get after it at, at, at the house when we were done. So shout out Andy Parker. Great guy. Seems like a great guy. He's a mocker. Yes, that is for true. The truest sense of the word. Well, speaking of sports that Andy Parker doesn't like, Nyman, one of the main reasons we needed to have you back on was to discuss the impending National Basketball Association playoffs that are starting up. When this pod drops, actually, it's going to be the same day. So we're dropping this on Tuesday, the 18th. That'll be the first play-in game, the inaugural play-in game under normal circumstances. And normal, I mean non-bubble. So tell me about how you're feeling as a New York Knicks fan. How excited, four seed right now, we'll see where they end up. The renaissance is happening. The Knicks are back. Let me tell you something. This has been a very hard year for New York, for the city of New York and the state of New York, too. We got fucking clown number one at town hall, you know, shutting the restaurants down, being an asshole. And, and then we got clown number two in Albany, who's, who's fucking killing old people and, and, and inappropriately grabbing women. So let's let's just throw out the fact that we have two absolute idiots running our state and city. And then, and then, of course, we had this horrible pandemic that's, that's, you know, cost so many people their jobs and lives and, you know, livelihoods and everything. And it's just been a horrible year for New York. That said, the one saving grace, the one thing that is pulling our city together is the New York Knickerbockers. And I have never been happier in my life rooting for this team. This is, this is the greatest shit Ever and I have I I like almost don't have words for it because it's it was so out of left field. I mean, you guys remember we were talking. I was like, oh, if R.J. Barrett like wins Most Improved Player, I'm like, that's going to be a great season. No, it, unbelievable, unbelievable. Leon Rose, not only is he building the team right now, not only has he built a winner, but he has reclaimed the image of this franchise from the doldrums. He has taken the James Dolan LOL and he has turned it into a positive. He's got the him and Worldwide West. They got the celebrity row back. They got they got people wanting to come here again. It is it is unbelievable. It, the only shame of it all is that the garden is only 20 percent full right now. Once we get all those fans back in, it is going to be pandemonium. I'm just Tom Thibodeau. I don't care what anybody says. Tom Thibodeau might run this team into the ground in five years, but he is a fucking saint. He will never have to buy a drink in the in the city of New York ever again. I mean, it it is unbelievable. I am so excited, guys. Like this is just I've never been this excited, really. Yeah. So uh, you forgot clown number three, which is still and always will be James Dolan. But the team is rolling right now. So I guess of the three clowns, he would probably be left off to the side a little bit. I know Tibbs well. He did the same thing with the Bulls. He really turned them around. I know you picked R.J. Barrett to win most improved player, but it looks like it's going to be Julius Randle, and he's really taken that that next step in his career. But as a Bulls fan and watching Tibbs and seeing what he did in Minnesota as well um, in the short time he was there, he really does get the best out of his players. Like, yes. And also, to play in his lineup, you have to play defense. If you are lazy on defense, you will not see the floor. That's right. Absolutely. And it, it's just amazing. And I think, 
what happened in Minnesota, you remember with like the, the, the Carl Anthony Towns issue and, and Jimmy Butler and all that stuff. I think Tibbs, I think he, he went home for that. He took that year off. He was doing, you know, he was working with ESPN, I think doing a little analyst work. And I think he, he really laid it out for himself. He's like, what do I need to do to really make myself a more complete coach and be a little bit better at, you know, some of my flaws. And we know some of his flaws are minutes management and, you know, overplaying guys and, and that sort of thing, not playing rookies. And, and this season, I, I just, I really, other than maybe he's played Julius Randle a little bit too much, I, I just, we've had to play him a lot because nothing was given for us. I mean, the fact that we're even in a full, like in conversation, a host of playoff series is just like, it is so ridiculous to me. I, I can't believe it. But like we've had to earn everything. And by God, he has he has really killed it. I mean, Emmanuel quickly, like normally that guy would be at the end of his bench. He is playing, he's contributing, he's been amazing. Obi Toppin for as poor as he's played, like he's not lost faith in him. He's still playing him. He's still sending him out there. I really think he's taken the flaws to his coaching and he's taken it seriously. And he's, he's really improved himself. And I think it will continue. Yeah. I mean, he's overachieved with this team tremendously and he is yes. maximizing all the guys on his team. So, I mean, when you look at that roster top to bottom without Tibbs, it's a borderline playoff team. Maybe. I mean, before this season, Julius Randall, was not the player he was before. So actually, I, I actually take that back. If you take Tibbs out of the equation and take away this year, they're not a playoff team in the They slice. what they were last year. I mean, this yeah. is almost the same exact team, minus a couple guys. Like, well, and nobody – Yeah. Rose. The starting five is the same starting five as last year. It's the same guys. Everybody's the same. So to me, like, what's the difference? It's Tibbs. It's bringing in a new mentality. It's bringing in some veterans that, you know, like Derrick Rose and, of course, summoning Taj Gibson again. I mean, we had him last year, but you put him with his guy, you put him with Tibbs, he's a different player. And, it, you know, it's just been a complete 180. And with D. Rose. Oh, D. Rose. I just can't. And I have to, I have to take an L on this. I'm, I'm going to admit a fault. I was upset when we traded for D Rose because at first I was like, oh, why are we giving away draft capital when we're going to be terrible this year? And and Derek Rose is going to take playing time away from quickly. And it just didn't end up that way. It ended up fine and, and better. Derek Rose, like in the last two weeks, especially, he's playing at all star level. Like he is. It's unbelievable. And he's only playing like 25 minutes a game. It's it's astounding what has happened here in 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 the garden. I'm just guys. This is just it's been a magical season. I don't know if it'll ever happen again. I hope it does. But I've just had such joy, more joy even than when like I was watching Mello and Allen Houston in the day. Like this, there's something about this team that you just can't help but root for. And let me tell you something. I mean, this is my last rant before we get into the nitty gritty. It couldn't have happened in a better year. That Kevin Durant, that whiny bitch, he he comes in. He's like, oh, I'm gonna flip the city into a Nets town. It's gonna be a Nets town. We brought we brought the beard in. Kyrie Irving goes AWOL whenever he wants to. Those guys aren't likable. Nobody likes them. They thought they were gonna turn this town. They thought, oh, it's gonna be so easy. We're gonna come in. We're gonna you know we're gonna take over the team. We're gonna you know, screw Kenny Atkinson, screw all these guys. You know, this is our group now. We're the GM. We're going to LeBron this team, you know. And and look what happened. 
Look what happened on 7th Avenue. Look, look at what's going on. The New York Knicks are the toast of the town, and nobody gives a shit about the Nets. So I don't care if the Nets win a title this season. I really don't. Have fun with your 300 people at your parade, you sorry sons of bitches. And that's it. And that's the bottom line, boys. That's where we're at. And it couldn't be better. It couldn't be at a better time in this city. I love it. Well, I mean, with that being said, the Nets are the second seed right now, and the Knicks are the fourth seed. So I believe, I don't know, you guys would play the Sixers in the next round if you want. But I want the Nets. I want the Nets. Yeah. So maybe there there might be some shifts. Uh, you guys are a game up on Atlanta right now, which I wanted to talk about for a second. When we started at the beginning of the year and we were making our picks, I said Atlanta would be the fourth seed, and I was kind of laughed at by both of you, which is fine. Everyone's got to take crazy picks. They are the fifth seed. Me and Nyman both did say that Lloyd Pierce would win coach of the year. He got fired, but – it took him getting fired for Atlanta to really become the team that they are. They were sitting outside. I think they were the 12 seed when he got fired, and now they're the five seed. So obviously he was the problem, um, and they got rid of him. <laughs> but it's looking like the Knicks could be facing Atlanta in the first round. Yeah. I mean, I'm cool with that. I'd rather play them, honestly, than play, like, Miami or Boston. I just feel like those are dangerous teams in the playoffs. I'd much and- rather play Boston right now. Well, Sorry, yes, yeah. Boston is is Boston is in a tailspin for they're sure. Dead in the water. Yeah, they they are in a tailspin. But again, I don't think that there's any way we could play them at this point. So if I had to pick, I, I would pick probably Atlanta uh, between Miami too, because Miami's still in there. Miami's shaping up pretty nice. That said, though, the Hawks, I think if you look at the last 15 games or something like that, have one of the best records in the league. They are really yeah, serving at the right time and. Uh, I've been texting our boy D Weiss. Shout out Daniel Weiss, former guest, about the Hawks a little bit, and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. And I'm probably mis- I'm probably mistaking him for the guy in the Jazz. I I truly don't know how to differentiate those two guys' names. I think but it's the, Bogdan on it the It is Bogdanovich. Hawks. The Bogdanovich on the Hawks is playing lights out right now, and they're starting to. I think they're getting DeAndre Hunter back too in the next couple of games. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a matchup. But I mean, a Knicks. And honestly, a New York-Atlanta matchup in the first round of the playoffs from a cultural perspective in this country would be a reckoning. Because whoever comes out of that, like that's like you got the upper hand. Because there's a big oh. New York versus Atlanta rap beef. Just, I mean, two hottest zones in, in, in hip-hop. You know, I mean, basketball uh, could be also a nice little uh, prize there. Yeah, but let's be honest, guys. Like, are the Atlanta Hawks going to travel well in the playoffs? Like, no. are, they, are there fans coming coming to the Garden? We're taking over. We take over every arena. That's what we do. We're the New York Knicks. We're we're, we're not we're not messing around. Like this is like and, and keep in mind we're two and zero against the Hawks this year. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I mean, I like our chances, especially if we have home court. I, I the Garden's going to be rocking. Trey Young, he he's back. I know he was hurt for a little while with the ankle, so you know I hope he's 100 percent because I do want to I do want to see him play, and I, I feel bad. Obviously, you'd hate to see them lose their best player. Um, you want to you know, the playoffs. Them. You want to beat them at their best too. Yeah, I want to beat them at their best. I want to see what we have too. And I, I just, yeah, Weiss is being very bullish about Hawks and five. I'm like, dude, are you? That's ridiculous. Are you crazy, dude? Like, this is the number one defense in the league. 
what they could do is they could just wear the MLK jerseys four straight games, and then they would win in four because I don't think they've lost a game. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, fun fact. Very inside the NBA fact right there. Yeah. yeah. All right, so a lot of our picks that we went through, one pick that I was bullish on kind of was the Bulls getting the 10 seed, uh, getting in that playing game, and they're sitting at 11 right now, and they basically are going to have to win out, and the Wizards are going to have to lose their next three for that to happen, which does not appear to be the case. The Bulls started off really slow, and then they picked it up, and then they were looking good. They got, I think, up to the sixth seed, and then they obviously made a big splash in trading for Nikola Vucevic, which I think was a good trade. He's just consistent, and he helps them a lot in the middle, although Wendell Carter has been playing a lot better since he's gone to Orlando. But... They didn't really get it together when they were pl- when Levine and Vooch were playing together. They really weren't playing that well. And then Levine missed about three weeks with COVID. And now the Bulls are on the outside looking in without their first round pick for the next two years. So I'm a little concerned. They underperformed. But what did you think of the Vucevic trade? I thought it was great. I thought it was gr- I thought it was a great trade for both teams, honestly. In this league, you know, if you're not if you're not trying to win, you're tanking. You or you better be tanking because you know that's that's kind of the style. So I think Orlando, they're just going for the uh, you know they want to get the draft picks, they want to ensure good lottery position, which totally understandable. And I think the Bulls, I like for for a for a an all star center in the league that's you know not a traditional center who can shoot and you know put the ball down, do all sorts of different things like. Fushevich, he doesn't make a lot of money, and he's he's a great player in his prime. So I thought it was a good pickup. Who knows? You know, it could take some time. Obviously, it didn't seem like they played too much together so far this season. You know, like you had mentioned. So I think it's kind of a wait and see thing. I want to see what the Bulls do in free agency. I think they're going to be hot on Lonzo, just like maybe we are. But hopefully, look, I'm. I'm root for the Bulls. I, I want to see the NBA with a good Bulls team, good Knicks team, good Lakers, good Celtics. That's good for the league. That's that's big. So I hope they get it together. His contract, I think it's right. It goes down every year, right, Ari, if I have that correct? Um, I think he – I don't know. I'm going to actually look it up right now. But I know he's like – I don't think he's making anything more than $22 million for the numbers yeah. he puts up. It's pretty uh, It's pretty small. Yeah, for the NBA, for an all-star, that's really good. So, I, again, I thought it was a win for both teams. Uh, and, I, again, with draft picks, dude, it's it's all about – it's just lottery tickets at the end of the day. you got to develop and make and make sure these guys are the right guys. So, it's, yeah. nothing is a given. So, I think you take the short thing if you're the Bulls. You go with the – you go with the all-star center who can complement your star in Levine. And I think that, that is a, that's the right way to go. Yeah. So this year he's making uh, 26. Next year he's making 24. And the year after he's making 22. Another thing I liked about the trade is first round picks, you know, are valuable and it, it is a lot to give up, but they will have Nikola Vucevic under contract the entirety that they're not going to have those picks. So it's not like his contract is up this year or next year, and then they're a year without him and without a pick. They will have him through the duration of the time where they don't have first-round picks. But there's not not a lot of teams in Chicago with first-round picks. I uh, hate to get off topic, but, you know, the Bears dished out their first-round pick next year to the New York Giants. That is true. 
Yeah. Which we talked about, and you were a fan of that trade, as was I. Yeah, I think that could be a good one for both teams, but, yeah. you know, as we digress. <laughs> yeah. So the other topic that I really want to just broach, and I'll, I'll go on a little bit of a rant here because this is my podcast, is about <laughs> my favorite player and personal idol, Wardell, Stephen Curry, Nyman. I want to get your take on, on Stephen, then I'll give mine. What has what about mine? performance? All right, you, you can chime in if you want. What what do you make of this renaissance year of Steph Curry during a time in which people thought that he would get, quote, exposed and the Hawks on Twitter were looking forward to having their day with Steph Curry after he tortured them for five straight years? What, what does it look like to you from the outside looking in, just seeing what Steph's been doing on a night in, night out basis? Well, I think you made your point right there. You know, I, I think... Well, let's, I guess, take a step back. When we look back at Steph's career, especially at, at the total peak, right? Like, I think that first MVP season, like, I think he definitely got his due. Like, he, he was definitely looked upon as, like, okay, this guy, like, a special player, obviously. But the, the other years, I think there was a lot of overshadowing, be it the year they lost to LeBron in the finals or when KD got there. I just feel like there was a lot of times when like Steph did not get his due and did not get his credit when, I mean, this is the greatest shooter in the history of the league. There is no doubt. He just, he is the greatest shooter ever. And he's, he's been vastly underrated. I almost feel like in the last few years and last year was a lost cause because of the injury, but now thank God, honestly, and he's doing it really without much else because Clay's hurt. Draymond has, for whatever reason, like has taken a step back on the scoring this year. He really hasn't been a scorer. And his supporting cast, I mean, dare I say this, Manny, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I wouldn't call this a great supporting cast for Steph Curry by any stretch. It's just like, it's a bunch of guys. Like, that's what I look at it as. I mean, you look at, you look at this team and it's, the same team as last year, plus Kelly Oubre, basically, yes. and Stephen Curry. And last year, they were the second overall pick. So, I mean, it's night and day. Yeah, so I I guess what I would say is, I guess that would we really call Steph Curry before this season a top, like, 25 player of all time? Maybe. Yes. I think he's – I, but I think he's cementing it, you know? Like, I think he's really cementing his place, and I think that's what he's doing, and the, the performances this year have been unbelievable. He's probably going to win the scoring title at this point, right? Like, I think he's it's looking like to, it. Yeah, it's looking like it. So, again, I shout out to Steph. He was always my favorite of those Warriors teams uh, that I hated. So, I, I always had a little soft spot for him. But now I'm just – I'm really happy that he's getting his due and that he, he's finally getting the respect that he deserves. Listen, what we're witnessing right now – is greatness on another level. I mean, the guy is 83 shy of breaking Ray Allen's record, which he'll probably have to end up doing next season. But and he's how old? Dude, he's played, he's played 600 less games than Ray Allen. That's absurd. And listen, like the man is an impeccable scorer. He changed the game forever, and he's yes. keeping the Warriors in it. And to be honest, he's not getting much help. Kel, no offense, Kelly Oubre, not very good. I don't, I, I didn't really like the trade at the time. He's athletic. Sometimes he gets up for a dunk. He's got cool tattoos, and sometimes he frosts his tip. And, like, he's a swagged-out player. I'll give him that. I don't think he's very good. 
Draymond, it just like he's an anchor on that team. He's a great defender, but he can't really score the ball that well. And, and Steph is is putting it, and, and James Wiseman is getting there. He it obviously we saw the flashes of how good he could be. I think he will be really good. I believe you two picked him as rookie of the year, um, but he'll get there. He'll be an All Star one day. But but Steph has really shown resilience this year and loyalty. But we'll see what happens when Clay gets back. But yes, Steph. I mean. I think the argument really could be made that Steph is not just a top 25 player. I think he is inching into the top 10 of all time. He's the only unanimous MVP. He needs to get that finals MVP, which we'll see where the the Warriors go. But he is incredible. Top 10. I could I could make the argument. I could also see the argument against it. I think no, he is yeah. clearly he's clearly the second best point guard of all time. Maybe the first, I mean, when he retires, Magic Johnson, I would still probably put a little bit above Steph. But, I mean, legacy aside, I think the thing that I've been most happy about this year is the fact that – I don't want to call you guys casual fans, but I'm just going to say non-warrior fans finally appreciate the things that Steph is able to do, not just from like a, a physical standpoint, but also just from a mental standpoint. He's got a heart of a champion, and every time he's ever been doubted or backed into a corner – or, I mean, anyone's throwing shade at him. Like, he's always responded. Like, the, the game that stands out to me the most with that was against the Rockets in 2019 when he went scoreless in the first half, dropped 33 points in the second half to win the game and uh, on the road. Like, those are the types of things that Steph's been able to do throughout his career. And this season, I think, is just like a years-long manifestation of that. And I mean, there's just no other player in sports. I don't think that excites the way that he does. Like I, I'm a grown man and I'm out here screaming at my television on a Tuesday night as he's putting up 50 plus against whoever they're throwing at him. And I mean, he takes on the best defenders. He's getting triple team, double team. I could go on for hours on this, but I, I just think that Steph's legacy took a big turn this year. And I mean, he's an undeniable force. And I think he's, I, I I mean, tell me if you guys disagree. I think he's the best offensive player in this league. You could make the argument for Durant, but just in the things that Steph does to a defense from top to bottom, like every player knows exactly where Steph is on the court, unlike anybody else. I think it's fair. I, I definitely think it's fair. I guess like being a point guard or being, you know, 6'3", I, I guess it limits like, because like, well, like you said, KD could just rise up and just get a, get a shot like against anybody. So, but yes, I agree. Like when Steph is at half court, you have to guard him. So it's like, it, it's a different level of, of what you have to do and, and what Steph can do, like nut, nutmegging guys and like, you know, just what he can do with his handle. It's just like, it's crazy. You can't take your eyes off him. And it, it it's true. It's, he's a threat from anywhere. So it, it's, it's, you really do have to keep your eye on him. Yeah. And, and honestly agree to disagree. If you took away the three-point shot and he wasn't allowed to shoot it, I still think he'd score 20 easily. I mean, he's so quick that he's getting by guys, and he could get to the hoop. He could surprisingly underratedly finish at the hoop with contact, and he could create his own shot. But he's so lightning quick, and he could shoot from so far out. Like It's like pick your poison. Like You have to step up on him because you can't let him shoot the three. But if you step up on him, he could get by you, or he could create separation and pull up. What is the like, knock? I, I guess is the knock though, like that compared to like I don't know, like LeBron. I guess, but I guess that's not fair. But like compared to other guys, like 
he only has him as the eight right now. And I get it. His supporting cast isn't that great, but like, is that the knock? Would you say? Yeah, I would say in part, but I, I think it, with this Warriors team, yeah, well, LeBron's been out for a lot of the year. And AD. Played, but I mean, well. this, this Warriors team is not good. And it took right. the guys on this team a long time to figure out how to play with Steph. Steph's a unique player. Like he's really the only kind of guy like that we've ever seen at that level. Anyone can play with LeBron. Like LeBron could turn water into wine when it comes to players, and that's part of his legacy, I think. Like he could, he can really pick who he wants and make him amazing basketball players. Steph doesn't really have that same ability, just in the sense that he's kind of easier to. If he's your only threat, he's easier to contain because I think the size and defensively is not the same player. Right. But when you get not guys who know how you know. to play off of him. Like Draymond, like Draymond's a perfect example. Like you get a guy like Draymond with Steph, like that's the type of guy he needs. This Warriors team took a long time to figure it out. They have a lot of, I hate to say it, low IQ basketball players to start off with, and they're just young. They're a young team. You got guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, who was playing in Mexico a couple of years ago, and now he's a he's a great player now. Honestly, he's one of the more exciting role players in the league. But because he learned how to play with Steph, I think if this team had a full off season, regular and like. The, the full sort of preseason, they learn to play with each other a little more. You'd, you'd be seeing a different team than the and A-team. Clay, yeah. And, well, obviously, Clay. I, I'm just saying this year in particular, like, with the guys we have, eh, that's it. But, yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, we saw Steph do something that I think we all deep down really, really wanted to see him do, and that's outperform the expectations again. And, I mean, he's going to win a scoring title because of it. So, that's where I'll leave it. I could keep going. I don't want to ruin this pod and yeah. corner how, the market. Manny, how happy are you to see the Rockets sitting in last place and James Harden in the East? Here's what I'll say about the Rockets. Their fans deserve this. Houston <laughs> sports deserves this. I have no – anyone can at me for that. Like that, They were just the most obnoxious people to root against in all those playoff series, and the Astros obviously did their own Dude, thing. And like, the Astros, and now Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean this this – City is getting its due. The Astros suck. The Watson thing is terrible. He's not going to play. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll say this: I am so happy that the Bears traded to get traded up to get Justin Fields because had they not, I would have still been all in for Deshaun Watson because we needed a quarterback. Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't have to go to bat for him. I know. I'm (laughs) I'm just happy it worked out the way it did. I know some of us picked Harden to win. I think Manny, you and me picked Harden to win the scoring title at the beginning of the year. Nyman picked Westbrook, which, I mean, he's been incredible. We could get to that in yeah, a second. I'm down to yeah. talk about Westbrook. Yeah, I, I would like to talk about it. I had him in fantasy this year. Harden on the Thunder, though, or I'm sorry, on the Nets, he has taken a different role. Um, he's still scoring a lot, but I mean, what he's doing is incredible, and, and it's kind of weird that the critics are saying he's having a down year. It's just like he is an incredible passer, and he doesn't mind facilitating the ball as we've seen. But like it seems like he's definitely, I don't know, he's taking the next step in his career where he's on a team with other guys that could score, and he's ready to just let the ball, like, you know, leave the ball out of his hands a little. I have nothing good to say about the Nets. I, I I can't stand them. Moving on to Westbrook, who just broke the triple-double record last night. That could have been Derrick Rose if he never got hurt. But what he's done is incredible. Yeah. I mean, I picked him for scoring champion, but wow. it, was a good, it was a good pick. 
Well, and then Beal was doing it. I'm like, oh my god, I picked the wrong guy. Like Beal was in control for like most of the season. Was for like six weeks. Yeah, I mean Steph went on his run. So like when before that, I was like, oh my god, Beal's gonna win it. So I was close, but yeah, Westbrook dude. Recording. I I think Westbrook, and I, I guess this is just like what I think he thinks. Like Westbrook, I think takes the most to heart all the haters. And like he's just like oh he's like fuck this like I'm gonna I'm gonna go in and I'm just gonna like will this team to win because that Wizards team dude is bad like the supporting cast is very bad and other than Beal and Westbrook and what he's done it's been it's amazing to watch he has just willed them to win and done it through every facet of the game which is just stuffing the stat sheet and it's just been an amazing thing to watch over the last like what three weeks they're the hottest team in the nba it's it's just unbelievable what he's been able to do especially i mean he's not he's not 25 anymore like he's he's doing this what he's 33 34 like he, he's not a young kid and he's he's really just taking control of the game on another level so i shout out to him i i really I really am impressed. And yeah. some people kind of questioned the trade at the time, the John Wall Westbrook trade, but because uh, it was Wall and a first rounder for Westbrook. Yeah. But obviously, now looking back at it, that was just yes. a great trade for Washington. Great trade. I've kind of come around on Westbrook this year more so than in the past. I've always kind of had the opinion that he's not a championship player because of the way that he plays, very ball dominant, not very efficient. He's taken a lot of threes, even though he's like a 30% three-point shooter basically that said for the nba and as a fan he is great to have because he's going to bring it every single night and he's going to bring energy and passion for the game and by all accounts he's a really great guy and an excellent teammate so i have moved off of my take that he's not a championship player like i i still believe that but that's not what's going to define him for me i think yeah. he, i think he deserves his his day and he's getting it and I, I honestly hope that he goes to a team or winds up on a team that has championship aspirations because it would be amazing to see a guy like that who's gotten a lot of flack, deservedly so, arguably, throughout his career, just manifested to the top. I mean, with just pure power of will and, I mean, energy. Like, he's, he's just a team guy through and through. Everyone loves him on his teams. Like, that is a desirable trait to have in a teammate. In a it, it would be difficult for him to land on a championship team with that contract though. So Agreed. probably towards, probably towards the end or he's going to have to do it in free agency. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, wanted to so add really quickly to Manny's point about championship players. I think it's so hard like to, to define a championship player, especially nowadays, because like we just play in these eras of like, the LeBron era, the Kobe era, you know, like the, the Spurs, like there's all these teams that, that like with amazing players throughout the league. And I don't like to like knock guys because they haven't won championships. Like we can appreciate the greatness no matter what, you know, just because we play, he had to play against, you know, whoever it was. Uh, I don't think that like, yeah, like a Warriors, like I don't think it's a knock on, uh, on the player, like Carmelo Anthony ever won a title, like, you know, uh, so that's so many not, guys, Allen Iverson, like there's so many guys that are so good and that just like all time greats that, you know, yeah. will never win. So that wasn't, ball. that wasn't really my point necessarily. Like there's a lot of really great players that haven't won. But to me, Chris Paul is a championship player. Like, could I see him as one of the best three guys on a championship team? Yes. 
because yeah. Chris Paul has the skill set to do that. I don't think, I mean, when he was on the Rockets, I mean, if he stayed healthy, they easily could have won one. With Westbrook, right. it's a little bit different because I think as you get into the playoffs, like deeper and deeper, it gets so hard to win. And a guy like that just takes bad shots and he's going to hog the ball too much. Like, I, I just see him as the type of guy that's never going to win a championship. And I have always maintained that opinion. And it's not a knock against guys that haven't won. It's just an opinion that I have about certain players who I don't right. think are capable of winning and just care more about pure numbers. Like that triple-double year, it's like, oh, super cool from a numbers perspective. Like, glad he got that. But you're not going to win a championship with the guy who leads the league in triple-doubles. Like, that's probably an indictment on the rest of your team. If that's and it was. That was a bad team. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's kind of my point about Westbrook. It's like, yes, he's going to dominate on a nightly basis, but like, what is that really getting you? It's getting you an eighth seed in the East or something like that. Like, that's not really like that impressive. But I, I love right. him for his personality and the passion that he brings. So those are kind of two separate kind of takes. I got you. Him. Makes sense. His motor is so high, though. Just the fact at his size and position that he's able to get over 10 rebounds a night is impressive. I don't think it's a debate that he's the best rebounding point guard of all time. I, I mean, that is, I think, yeah. just a fact at this point. Yeah. You can't think of one that's better. Like, you can right. say Magic because he's six seven, but, like, I don't know that he put up those numbers. Like, if you need a board, Westbrook's going to find a way to get one. I think Magic's six nine, but whatever. Yeah. All right. So let's talk rookies for a minute. You know, all our teams had – top 10 picks we made rookie of the year picks you guys picked Wiseman I went with Denny Avita kind of just as like a, or Avdia is kind of like a you know let's cheer for the Israeli kid obviously I thought he severely underperformed he showed signs that he could be good but he has a long way to go I mean what really stole the show was obviously the no, uh, the one and three pick which was Anthony Edwards and the mellow ball it's been very exciting. Who do you guys think is the rookie of the year right now? I think it's Mello still. The, the betting sites say the same. He's the yeah. odds-on guy. Yeah, I would say Mello, even though I'm I'm not happy to say that because I don't like when we give, like, awards out to guys who miss, like, huge chunks of seasons. Like, I just don't like that personally. But, like, again, he was on pace to have, like, a historic year if he stayed healthy. So I, I get it. But again, I also like the fact that they're giving it to a guy who helped his team win a lot of games because Charlotte had no business, if you ask me, winning as much as they did this year. I know right now. Yeah, right now they're the eight seed. Are they the eight? Yeah, I I, know that. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, they're in playoff contention. So I'm impressed by that. So I, I give him a little bit of a notch up because of that. Uh, given the fact that the T-Wolves suck. So I definitely, that's more props to Mello. But yeah, I, so I guess I would go with Mello too. Anthony Edwards really surged towards the end of the year. I think it took him a little while to really find his footing as an NBA player. Because he was always, he could always put up points, but it's always a question of can he do it efficiently. He started to look really good. And I mean, he beat the Warriors a couple nights ago in the fourth quarter where, I mean, it really matters. And I mean, if you're a rookie and you're dominating late in the game and you're taking guys ISO and making plays, like that's what you want to see out of your rookie. If I'm a, I don't want to say if I'm a Wolves fan, I'm optimistic. Cause I mean, you got to temper your expectations if you're a Minnesota sports fan, right. but I mean, he's going to be something fun to watch. And 
I mean, while we're on this topic, I think personality wise, I think Anthony Edwards is by far one of the best personalities in the league already. The dude is hilarious on a nightly basis. He gets asked these questions and he just makes these reporters seem like idiots. (laughs) They asked him about some uh, conversation that Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns had that earned them both technicals. And Anthony Edwards just said it was a two guys having a conversation. He doesn't want to, be playing a sport if they're not talking shit to each other because it means they're not competitive. Like, I love that attitude. It's just too buddy-buddy these days. Anthony Edwards gets it. Yeah. I I think LaMelo obviously deserves Rookie of the Year. Um, I know I said Avdi on the show, but you guys know from just talking to you off camera, I was very high on LaMelo going into the draft. I thought he should have been the number one pick. I would have loved for him to fall to the Bulls. But what he's doing is incredible, and so is Edwards. Um, I know LaMelo missed some time, but that first half of the year, Edwards was nowhere near that rookie of the year. Like, he wasn't really doing anything, and then he really took off. But he is freakishly athletic. Um, He's surprisingly been a very good three-point shooter. That Minnesota Timberwolves team, I mean, I know they've just been plagued for years, but when they're all healthy, they're not that bad. Like, their record together with D'Lo, Cat, Edwards, and Beasley together is like, I think it's like 6-0, and which is crazy to think that that's how many games those guys have played together because there's been so many injuries. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. Real quick, I just wanted to mention my guy Patrick Williams. Um, I know he was kind of a surprise pick of the draft. A lot of people didn't see him going at four. I got the game on next to me. I just saw him double dribbling and then get burned by KD. But, I still think, you know, the jury's out, and it was definitely one of those wait-and-see type picks. Um, He didn't really make a huge impact this year. He played a lot, but he, as much Bulls basketball as I watched, there were so many games where he got, like, 38 minutes and had, like, two points and a rebound. So sometimes he was just, like, a body out there, but the jury's still out. The Tony Snell game, you mean? Yeah, he had, he had a lot of Tony Snell games, but the kid's 19 years old. He didn't even start at Florida State, but he's also shown signs of, like, getting up there and, like, grabbing shots in the air and also catching alley-oops. Like, he's very athletic, but give, give him a little time. I'd say by his third year. How about my man, Sam Manheimer? My man, Emmanuel Jalen Quickly. IQ Godson. IQ's godson. That's no, that's his Twitter handle. That's he, oh, oh I was gonna say, IQ uh, godson. IQ. <laughs> no, he, he's been amazing. The floater game is unmatched. He yeah. might have the best floater in the league. I'm telling you, Lou Williams, dude. He like the he he's got Lou Williams game, and he has to refine it more. But like that is that's his pro comp. Like that's who he's gonna become. I love him. Obi Toppin is a fucking mess. I mean, like I don't know what to, what what to do with that. Dude, Hopefully. I feel like Kobe Toppin is, like, the perfect guy that, like, you guys could end up trading in the offseason or next year for a better player because, like, he hasn't – he hasn't like, the Knicks are going to try and make a move. Like, they're good. It seems like New York basketball, dare I say, is, like, back where maybe free agents might want to go there. And I feel like he's the perfect guy that you can move because, like, he was a first-round pick last year. He only played one year, and, like, he might end up being good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's definitely he could be in line for a trade to a team, you know, that wants to trade a star or, you know, something like that. I don't he's so athletic. He's but he's like Josh Smith bad. Like that's like you know, and you know what I mean when I say that. He's like Josh Smith bad. So, it's 
it's tough to watch sometimes, but he plays really, really hard. Like I have to, I have to give him credit and otherwise Tibbs wouldn't play him, but he does like when he's on the floor, like he is really trying and it's just, he doesn't, he's not getting in a rhythm. He's not getting in a groove. So it's going to take some time, but IQ, I mean, if the only reason we drafted Obi Toppin is because we didn't think Julius Randle was anything. We, we, we thought it, we, he was going to be gone at the end of this year. So the fact that we drafted top and allowed us to draft quickly, because otherwise we probably drafted Halliburton or something like that. So uh, I'm happy all around. It's fine. It's no big deal. Now we're in win now mode. We don't need to worry about draft picks. By by the way, Julius Randle also a guy with a great contract. Yeah. Oh, dude, please. I this off season. This is the off season of Madison Square Garden. I'm I'm ready. Get, get ready to be uh, disappointed. Sorry. I'm sure. I'm sure I will. Rounding out the uh, top four draft picks as we revisit it, this was my uh, rookie of the year pick as well as Nyman's, which honestly seemed like a good pick for about all of 10 games. James Wiseman, tough year for him. Not really his fault. Got banged up. Never really developed the chemistry that he needed with the rest of the team. He got COVID to start the year, which made it, difficult for him to kind of acclimate to the league. I mean, I, he was always starting from a step behind everyone else and he never really caught up. I am still high on him going forward, but I would also not be upset in the slightest bit if we packaged him and hopefully the Minnesota pick, if it converts, if they're not top three into a superstar to extend this window that we have with the greatest shooter the league's ever seen, the best backcourt of all time, Clay Thompson, Steph, and while well, we got Draymond. So, I mean, if, if James Wiseman's in a Warrior uniform in five years, I'll be happy. If he's not next year, then I would also probably be fine with it. So heading into the basketball season, we did make some predictions on who would win various awards. I can run down through the list and we can just ding ourselves and kind of correct ourselves. So, MVP, this one was unanimous, couldn't have been more off. We all picked Luka Doncic, which, granted, if he played well the entire season or played like he's playing over the last 10 or so weeks, could have been an MVP candidate. But at this point, it's Jokic's to lose. Who, I mean, honest to God, I did not see coming in the slightest bit. He balled on us last week. I was watching the game. He absolutely killed us. Like, it, it, was, it was such domination and also – I, you really can't appreciate what a good passer that guy is until you see it. And it's like, it's actually a thing of beauty. Like it really is. I, I really yeah. did. You hear about it, but then you watch and you're like, oh my God, like this guy, like it's, it's different. It's a different level. You know, I mean, they're already saying that he might be the best passing center of all time. Like it's yeah. crazy. Like the, the dimes he dishes out, like the, the pass fakes and then the shots and then the shot fakes and the passes. It's crazy. He's so fluid. And the best part about it is, and then this hasn't happened since I think the sixties, I want to say it was like Earl Monroe maybe, but like a second round pick is going to win the MVP. Yes. I think it's sick. Earl yeah. Monroe Knicks tape. Yeah, that was in the '60s. I think he was the last second round pick to do so. I was. Yes, I was, that's I was, true. Was, he won it with the bullets. Yeah. And the thing with Jokic too is that it wasn't even immediately clear how good he was going to be. Because remember when they traded Nurkic, I was kind of of the mindset where it's like I, I didn't know who of those two players they should have traded. Yeah. Like they were both kind of on equal footing at the time. 
And obviously the Nuggets made the right decision to keep Jokic because now he's about to win MVP. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he took a little while to develop. But at this point, I mean, in, honestly, last year in the playoffs, it really became super evident to the, the nation. But this dude's just on another level when it comes to playing the game of basketball. Like he, it is a game to him. Like he, he plays like he's playing in his backyard. He'll do these crazy over the head passes. Like nobody else is really trying that. It looks like he's almost fucking around, but it works every time. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to see him win MVP. He's a pretty likable player. Honestly, a weird looking guy. Doesn't look like a basketball player. Like I, I, I've seen him play in person before and on TV. He kind of like waddles when he walks. Like he kind of like moves side to side. Like Zion. And he's, and he's, <laughs> yeah. he's flimsy. So, you know, it, it's cool that he's, he's winning MVP. Um, I do think that team though, um, they're a four seed right now. It, not having Jamal Murray in the playoffs is really going to hurt him. Yeah. They could maybe get an upset or two, but, I mean, they're not going to come out of the West yeah. without right. Jamal. Although MPJ, my boy, a guy that I took a picture with in an FFC gym, <laughs> playing out of his mind. So I'm, I'm glad that he's got that opportunity. You mean MAGA Porter Jr.? <laughs> Anti-vaxxer Jr. He's, <laughs> the, he only, the only shots he takes are from three. That's right. <laughs> He lived so, on his floor in college, said because he didn't play at all, basically in Missouri because he had the back surgery. He said he mm-hmm. just sat in his apartment and smoked weed and played video games all day for like six months. Too bad <laughs> we can't relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so we discussed rookie of the year. We all missed on that. Going to be mellow most likely. Defensive player of the year. Are you and I both picked Bam out of bio, which honestly wasn't a terrible pick. He's not going to win it, though. I think Nyman came the closest with Ben Simmons, who, I mean, you could make an argument for him. But, I mean, if you look at the the casinos, they're all saying it's going to be Gobert, who, I mean, I, I personally don't really enjoy watching. I think he's a monolith. Yeah, sucks. But Ben Simmons, I mean, I, I like that pick the best out of our three. Dude, I love it. When I watch the Nick games and, like, the Knicks are playing Utah, and <laughs> Walt Frazier is like – they're paying this guy a hundred plus million dollars to just block shots and do nothing else. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. I mean, the Warriors played him last night. And I mean, what happens is somebody drives into the lane, go bears there. And it's like, okay, we'll just go shoot from somewhere else. Cause he's not going to get there. Yeah. It's yeah, I, I don't really like go bear. And he started COVID people forget that. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> I really liked our BAM pick, and I really liked the Heat going into this year. They kind of underperformed. I think they're going to make a run in the playoffs, though, just because they're a very tough team, and and Jimmy Butler gets the job done. But they they did underperform. They dealt with some injuries. Yeah, uh, first half of the long season. COVID, long yeah, COVID layoff, yeah. too. Also, a lot of these guys who went deep in the bubble, we forget that the bubble ended in, in uh, October. It started in July, thir- July 30th, ended in October, and then they started again in December. So they didn't really get a huge break between playing. Granted, they did get basically March from July off, but still, you know, you go to the finals, it does take an emotional yeah. toll, and then you don't really have – they pretty much had like a little less than eight weeks to, to get ready for the next season. So yeah. With um, protocols too. With, with mm-hmm. protocols, it's taxing. But, yeah, I mean – Gobert is a great defensive player, and also the Jazz are the number one seed in the West right now, which is crazy to think about. So that also helps his argument. Yeah, I agree. And we'll definitely circle back on the other finals team and the layaway and 
the issues that they've dealt with in a little bit, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So most improved player. We talked about this a little bit. Alec had the right team, but the wrong player with RJ Barrett. I had Michael Porter Jr., who honestly, if Jamal Murray tore his ACL in the first week of the season, could have made a push for it, but was yep. never really in contention. And Ari had DeAndre Jordan, who Aiden. has definitely – yeah, DeAndre Aiden. I think I actually made that exact same mistake at the beginning of the year. <laughs> Called him DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, whatever. DeAndre Jordan, like, averaged, like, 28 and, like, 20 this year. They'd have to give him the, the most improved play. They had a post move. No, I, I meant Jordan. Like, if DeAndre uh, yeah, I mean, if he wasn't washed. Um, <laughs> most improved, it's going to be Julius Randle. Most now, deserved. I'll, I'll give that to you, Nyman. You can, you most can deserved. Yeah. Dude, Have he's just – what I think it was was, like, Julius Randle always had the talent. He He's always had the skill. But I think it was a basketball IQ thing, and it was also a weight thing, too. I, I don't think he was ever in shape uh, to where he needed to be. He was always looking more like Zach Randolph than, you know, like a like more of a, a fit athletic player to suit today's game. So I think what happened was when Tibbs got here, he pushed him, said you got to work harder on your body, you got to work harder on, you know, not just your skills, but getting, you know, getting your mind right for basketball. And I think that's what happened. What what he's done, I mean, he, he's averaging close to 25, 10 and 5. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And I'm just I'm so happy for him because I know how hard he worked. He's really he's a gritty player. He he didn't have it the other day. If you watch the Clipper game when we beat the Clippers, he didn't have it, but he hit the two daggers to end the game. And and that's just been him this year. Like when he on off nights, like he's just grinding and playing his game. And it's just been it's been an amazing thing to watch, just how he's evolved into I mean, he's been a top ten player in the league this year. It's he's going to be he's going to get MVP votes. He's not going to win, but he's going to get MVP votes. He's definitely going to be on an all NBA team, if not first team, definitely second team. It's it's been just a pleasure, just such a pleasure. And obviously, RJ had a great season too. took a big step forward next season. I want to see RJ get over the 20 point mark. He's close. But this this year was all about Julius Randle and I hope he gets paid, uh, but not before we get some guys. Yeah, so I, looking back at my most improved player pick, which was DeAndre Ayton, I mean, it was a total mistake to pick him in the first place because even if he went out and averaged like 28 and 14, like something crazy, you know, he was the number one pick in the draft. Like at some point that would have like been expected and I don't think he would have won most improved player. Like you got to pick a guy who the radar is like, like kind of on like, okay, he needs to take the next step to be really good or just like completely surprises everyone. I don't think a lot of people before the season thought Julius Randle would win. If I could go back in time and remake that pick, the guy I was looking at who I had on my fantasy basketball team, who was great was Chris Boucher. I never would have picked Julius Randle to win that award. I would have probably picked Chris Boucher too, who also was great this year. But um, Julius Randle, I mean, this is a guy I also had on my fantasy basketball team, so it was an amazing time to have him this year. But, um, you know, I saw him play in high school at the McDonald's All-American. The guy went to Kentucky. He was an All-American, a top pick. He had a really rough start to his career. His first game, he broke his leg. And me and Manny talked about it. Like, as a young player playing on those 
post-championship team, Laker teams with Kobe. I don't know if it was great for a lot of them just because Kobe's a very demanding person. And you, you see how they were on the Lakers and now they are versus they're off. The Lakers let him walk for nothing to New Orleans. He was on New Orleans for a year. He goes to New York. He was good last year, not great. And he gets Tibbs, and, and he really just found his rhythm in his seventh year, and, and he was just able to encompass all of his skills that he has, which is the passing, the shooting. He could bang down low. He could handle the ball. He brings the ball up a lot. They're um, playing through him 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think – I. I can't speak highly enough for Julius Randle. I think he's a great player. Me and Manny also saw him out one night, went up to him, had a brief conversation. Blind Barber in Chicago was a pretty nice guy. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see that he's doing good. Yeah. The Blind Barber sighting might have been what actually changed the course of his career. He was at all the Because he was in Chicago. I was like, you, you come into the Bulls, man? I was like, we'd love to have you. Now then, you would. Yeah, now you would. Yeah. <laughs> this was right before he went into free agency, and he I, he was in Chicago. I don't know what he was doing there. Like I thought he maybe was visiting with the team. You were recruiting. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Kobe Kobe White out the next night, and was just so hammered. And I was like, "You need to come to Chicago." Then they drafted him. And then didn't you also? So we saw him at bounce yeah. before he was 21. And didn't you go up yeah. and tell him that you weren't going to narc on him? Yeah, I said I wasn't going to narc on him for underage drinking. Wow, you're such a nice guy. But that was after I told him that I was a fan of his game and I wanted to come on the Bulls. But that, dude, I was so drunk that night. That's sick, dude. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so our next award that we all missed on. You guys especially, Nyman <laughs> and our, you guys both picked Lloyd Pierce, who didn't last the season, was fired. I came the closest, I think, with Doc Rivers, who, I'll be honest, I mean, he he turned that Sixers team into something of a title contender. It's looking like Monty Williams, who, fun fact, I recently realized is different than Montel Williams. I used to think Monty yes. Williams and Montel look, Williams were the same guy. so much alike. I, yeah, I mean, hand up. Like, I, I just had that one wrong. I always thought that Monty Williams was like a motivational speaker who used to play basketball. It's not the case. Anyway. But don't they look identical? I, I'm not going to say that. I, I really I, think they look alike. I'm serious. I'll, the I'll goatee, everything. Yeah, no, but I, I, I did have that confused. Um, and then Quinn Snyder, Tibbs is the next two in line. And then Rivers is like plus 2,500. So I came the closest, still very far off. Monty Williams, I mean, like, if, let's talk about the Suns for a second. They, I don't know if I'm going to say that they, I mean, if you play if you play the postseason 10 times, they're probably going to win at least one of those 10, you'd have to think. I mean, they're, they're a good basketball team. If you could keep Chris Paul healthy, I mean, they've got some good role players. I like Mikel Bridges. I like, obviously, Aiden's playing well. I kind of like them, like, this year. I, I mean, like I think they're plus 900 right now. I'm, I'm going to look this up. I think... From a value perspective, they're probably not a terrible pick. I'm not picking them, but not a uh, not the craziest thing. They're we'll, like hot at the right time too. Yeah, we'll we'll get to those picks in a second. Plus fourteen hundred. I was wrong. So all right, let's let's kind of cruise through these a little bit more. So six man of the year, Naiman, you had Kevin Herter. Shout out Michael Luzdan. I picked Tyler Harrow, who had a cool song made after him, but played like shit for most of the year. And Ari, you had Sweet Lou Williams, who is Let probably the closest. Lou. 
what yeah lemon pepper lou turns out it's going to be jeremy or jordan clarkson who torched the warriors last night he had like 40 points zero assists but i mean that's what they ask him to do i think he's got the best role in the league they don't ask him to pass they just get him to go in there and get buckets Dude, they gotta make a they gotta make a thirty for thirty about all the guys on those Lakers teams that like left like we were talking about before like they really do like it needs to be we need to hear the story yeah, we need to hear the story about this well that that's what we were talking about but at the end of the day they did trade a lot of them or let them walk but they still did win a title so mm-hmm. it was ultimately ending like it kind of just like squashes is the what if like they did win a title but. They let Julius Randall lock. They let Jordan Clarkson. They traded Jordan Clarkson. They traded D'Angelo Russell. They traded Brandon Ingram. They traded Lonzo Ball. Like, these are all great players. The argument could be made for Derrick Rose uh, to win sixth man of the year as well. I don't think he will. But, I mean, Jordan Clarkson's been great. Obviously, this is kind of the first year where Lou will really – he took a step back. I mean, he is getting old. I think he's been in the league since 2006 maybe. Does that sound right? 2005, 2006. Um, I mean, he was torching teams for a year, but he really did struggle to score the ball. And the Clippers did not have a problem trading him for Rondo for another guy who couldn't really, who's not a great scorer. But I guess they kind of wanted someone who could facilitate a little better. Yeah, you're right, Ari. He was, Lou Williams was drafted in 2005. Damn, that's a long time ago. Out of high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then that brings us to scoring, who, I mean, as of right now, the, the jury is still out given there's some games left, but right we, now Steph, we already talked about scoring a little bit. Steph, Steph is in the driver's seat. Yeah. We got Brad Beal with an injured hamstring, which I, I want to touch on here for just a second, because this is kind of funny. So in an interview, someone asked Kent Bazemore on the Warriors about Steph Curry and what he was doing. Cause Steph, I think put up 49 the other night. Oh, and yeah. Bazemore said, we got guys hurting their hamstrings, trying to keep up with them. And Bradley Beal and Bradley Beal's wife did not like that comment. And Bradley Beal went on a Twitter tirade about how Kent Bazemore doesn't know shit about him. And he was calling Kent Bazemore a clown. And it kind of seemed like he blew the whole thing out of proportion. But I don't know. I like Brad Beal. I mean, I hope he becomes yeah. a warrior, but he's probably not going to become one after what Kent Bazemore said about him. So too bad. Well, you there. could easily get rid of Kent Bazemore. I know. He's on the Brad veteran middle. But Ken Bazemore, for a veteran minimum contract, has played lights out. All right, so that wraps up our awards. We all fucked up. I think of all of our picks, we got none of them right, which is fine. I mean, well, it's hard to pick that kind well, of stuff. We a championship to re- redeem it. That's true. So I- I'm claiming the Julius Randle one, though, for me. Yeah, you can, you can own it. So championship <laughs> matchups. At the beginning of the season, Nyman and I both had Lakers nets, and Ari went the other LA team and has Clippers nets. I think all of these are in play right now. But let's yeah. let's talk about LeBron James. We've somehow gone an hour and thirty-five minutes without bringing up LeBron in an Amazing. NBA podcast. So let's let's talk about that for a second. What do you guys think of the Lakers coming into this postseason? Do they make it out of the play-in game? I mean, yeah, they're gonna make it. Like the they're definitely going to, yeah, they're definitely going to make it out. And if the draw is correct, they'll play Phoenix, it looks like. Yeah. Which I think is a better matchup for them than Utah. I like, I'd rather, if I were them, I, I think I'd rather play Phoenix than play Utah or play, or the Clippers. 
So, yeah, I don't see why they can't win that series. I don't think it's crazy. If Look, they're, they're going to baby LeBron back. So, you know, and, and also they could definitely, like, move up, right? Like, they're only a game, I think, behind Portland so, for six. So right now they are 38 and 30. Trailblazers are 40 and 29. So game so and a half. A game and a half. But the issue with the Trailblazers is the Trailblazers won the season series. Right. So yeah, effectively the Lakers are – yeah, exactly. So they got to go one game up on the Blazers. I, I mean, I think they're pretty much, I mean, they got a couple games left. But I, I think as as of the time of this recording, I think they're pretty much locked into that playing game. They probably right. play the Warriors, which is going to be maybe the highest rated game of the they're year. They're the seventh seed. And doesn't the seventh seed play the ninth seed? No, it goes to eight. eight. Yeah, so basically the way it works is the seven will play the eight. Winner takes the seventh seed. Loser plays the winner, the winner of the 9-10 game, and then the winner of that 9-10 slash 7-8 crossover is the eighth seed. So basically, if you're in that 7-8 game, you just have to win one of those two games. And if you're the 10 seed or the 9 seed, you'd have to win two games to make the playoffs. So yeah. I don't think the Lakers are going to lose two consecutive games to lose the season, especially if LeBron James is playing. Like They might drop one to the Warriors if Steph torches him for 60, which, like God willing, the man could do it. But you're not going to lose back-to-back game. I mean, who's in that 9-10 spot? It's going to be Grizzlies, Spurs. LeBron's not losing to the fucking Grizzlies, let's be honest. Right, no, agreed. So yeah. that's I think most likely they're going to play Phoenix, and it'll be a good series. Yeah, the Lakers obviously dealt with injuries all year. Um, as I've mentioned before, big into fantasy basketball, two separate teams. One team had LeBron, one team had Anthony Davis. LeBron's incredible as always. He did get hurt which it'll be interesting to see how that ankle goes into the, la- the last couple of games. I know he tried to give it a go, and it's not quite there. Anthony Davis, for the most of the year, he kind of underperformed, which is a little bit concerning. I thought he would be a lot better, but um, it'll be interesting to see. I still stand by my pick. I think the Clippers are going to make it to the NBA Finals this year. Um, I really like that team right now. They're catching fire at the right moment. Kawhi is a killer. Paul George can't play as bad as he did last year in the bubble. So I do really like that team. And obviously we're all in agreement about the Nets. We made that pick before they got James Harden. And now that they have James Harden, I I seriously think they're going to do some damage in the playoffs. Just so much firepower. And that really does help in the playoffs. So I like Clippers and Nets, and I'll still take the Clippers to win it all. Yeah, I put a little bit of money down a couple weeks ago on the Clippers because I like the value. But I mean, just our sponsor, DraftKings. Um, (laughs) They, uh, no, I mean, the Clippers are top to bottom, one of the most deep teams in the entire league. I mean, you look at Brooklyn, they're not a deep team in, in the sense that the Clippers are. I mean, they're very top heavy. But, I mean, the Clippers go 10 deep, basically. Like, they got guys like Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka. You got Marcus Morris. And then, obviously, PG and Kawhi. So, I mean, that that is a – and playoff Rondo. Let's not forget about him, too. So, Pat I like ben. that Clippers team, too. If I, if I had to repick the finals today, I would probably go with what you said, Ari. But, I mean, big variable there. If LeBron comes back and he's 90%, it's – as we all know, impossible to pick against him. But yeah, for sure. But they, they are going to have to fight their way back mm-hmm. and play 
predominantly no games with home or no series with home court advantage. But we've seen it before, especially with his days on Miami. They they often finished those uh, those years of the two and three seed, and they were able to get by. Yeah, he was what the four seed. His uh, was it second year in Cleveland. No, I think it was his last year. That was his last year. That was when I was there. They they struggled, but he really, he willed that team by himself. Oh, yes. Do we like any of the other teams out of the East? Do we like the Sixers? Do we like the Bucks? Or do you guys think it's a cakewalk for the Nets? I think the Sixers are the only team that can play the Nets well just because their defense is really good. I think the thing that's going to make or break it for the Nets is the fact that they've only played as a big three. They've only played like, I want to say, it's, it's less than 10 games together. Yeah, it's so, basically, I mean, they're basically the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right, right. The, the, so, thing about, the thing about the East is it's kind of a crapshoot ever since LeBron left. It's like this power vacuum that's just like opened up and it's just like, who's on top you had no one really thought I mean I did but a lot of people weren't as high on Toronto and they went to the finals and last year Miami you could say kind of came out of nowhere um yeah for sure the New York Knicks yeah I I think (laughs) surprise us Milwaukee is intriguing but I just like feel like they're gonna lose that's all I'm saying and it's also not a good sign going in the playoffs it's like your coach who won coach of the year and has coached the two-time MVP you're on the hot seat it just like doesn't present it's not a good situation but the good thing about Milwaukee what they did was they signed Giannis and it kind of ends the speculation of where he's going because this would have been his it is his last year on his old contract before Mm -hmm. One starts, and oftentimes in the last year of a player's contract of that caliber, it becomes less about like what the team is going to do and more about what that player is going to do next year. And it just like you kind of get lost in translation. So Milwaukee still is intriguing, but I I really like Brooklyn. Yeah, the thing that I think is going to be make or break for the Nets is going to be the center position and how they're able to defend it. Because you look at DeAndre Jordan, you look at Blake Griffin. Those are two decent big men. But you look at the rest of those guys in the conference. Yeah, well, Blake's been playing pretty well. But you're going to have to go against Giannis and most likely Embiid. One of those two guys, if not both of them, if you're not the one seed. So that is going to be a very difficult situation for them. Because, I mean, Embiid and Giannis are going to go for 40 every game they play. And That's why I like the Sixers matchup. I think they're the only team right now that can really give it to them. Uh, they have an oversized point guard who plays elite defense against five positions. They've got a bunch of shooters. So I feel like if there's a if there's a team that can beat the Nets, I feel like it's Philly, and they're well coached. Yeah. So I, he, Steve Nash is not a good coach, guys. Like it, let's yeah. let's not mince words. He does not know how to coach. So I well, think, they don't even have a head coach according to Kyrie Irving. That's exactly so. Uh, yeah, dude, yeah, Kyrie, who's b- burning sage on the court and 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 calling the world flat. So anyway, the the point being is, I just think that if there is a team to do it, I think it will be Philly. But I still just again, if they're healthy and they're playing up to to snuff, I think KD will just you know he'll win. Yeah. But we'll see. I agree. Giannis did beat them twice in the last week. He did. And Drew Holiday is a good defender on Kyrie. I think the Bucks match up well too, but yeah, 
again, going back to who I'd pick, I think Sixers or sorry, um, Clippers Nets is probably the most likely. It's just it's impossible to pick against that big three. It's give me the maybe, Nets in the, the second best. round, baby. Give me the Nets. Let us have at least four home games in New York. Let it happen. Let's see how it goes. So we're coming up on an hour of 45. We've, we've stretched this one out. Anything else we want to cover before we wrap things up? Now, I mean, anything you want to plug besides from it still slaps? No, I mean, we're, we're coming back on it still slaps. You know, we're, um, Jay Gross is, is giving me the green light this week. So we will be coming to you, hopefully, we'll be back on Wednesday. But if you're looking to buy, sell, invest in real estate, you can call me too. <laughs> I'm looking to buy a multifamily home in Newark, New Jersey. Can you help me out? Absolutely. We'll hook you right up. No, I mean, make you, a, I'm going to make you millions, Ari. Can you give us a sneak preview of what the next episode is going to be? Well, I, I would like to, but I need to talk to my cohort, Jason Gross. We have a lot of uh, we have a lot of things in the hopper right now, and we want to we want to discuss it. So it hasn't yeah. been recorded yet. So we're yeah. we're getting there. All right. When is the little Dicky episode, dude? If I if I had the little Dicky episode, first of all, dude, little Dicky hasn't put out music in six years. So is he even a musician anymore? I don't know. Yeah, we got a fire show. Yeah, show's great. Show is great. I would love to do an in-depth analysis with with Dave Bird on wh- what inspired him to make the jail video and, and the song. Like I, I'm fascinated by that and the creative process. So if I, I do have um I do have Mike's phone number. I I guess I could work it, but again, that that was that's a bridge that has been long that has been not been traveled over in a long time. Still totally worth it to to blaze with little Dicky during the party, then have to work those two parties. We got violating very hard. I know. Still, still totally worth it. I will say the little Dicky in an an interview I saw, he talked about how he always wanted to be a writer and like do TV shows, but he like didn't know how to like break into the scene because he didn't know anyone. So he taught himself how to rap and then would put the videos on YouTube and like try to make them funny. And now that he is where he wants to be, which is like doing TV and making shows, you know, who knows if he'll put out music again. Like, I think he will maybe at some point he could be working on like a really funny video, but you know, the guy is where he wants to be. I just don't want him to forget his roots. The yeah. Lummy Freak video could win a Pulitzer. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I like when he does the um, the long, more storyboarded music videos like Pillow Talk or like the jail one from the show. Like those to me, like that's from an artistic perspective. That's like what gets me going. Like I love to see yeah. that and both lyrically and visually it's just, it's so fun like i think that's where he's at his peak mr nyman thank you for coming back on the show i'm honored has plopped down next to me and is now eating dinner so it's time for me to go time for me too i i got shit going on i got i got i got deals to close guys always wheeling to deal Mr. Nyman, it was great to uh, hear your picks once more. Hopefully, they'll be more accurate this time because we, we went like 0 for 9 or whatever it was before. Let's go, Knicks. I'm so excited for the playoffs. It's long overdue. New York, we here. 
Nyman's going to be one of those dudes wilding out in the subway after a Knicks home game. I can't wait to You've see it. You've seen that, right? Prepare to be hurt. <laughs> That's okay, dude. This is better than anything that I could have imagined. So we've exceeded every expectation. Everything else is just icing on the cake, baby. All right, well, fellas, Ari, I don't have to wish you good luck in the playoffs because it doesn't matter, but Mr. Nyman, good luck in the playoffs. <laughs> good luck to you, Sam. Thank you, But we're down by 16 to Brooklyn right now, so it's not looking great. That's okay. I'm rooting for the Nets in that game. Yeah. All right, boys. Another great episode in the books. Nyman, I'll talk to you in 20 minutes. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Take care, everyone.